Welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. I'm the media host for Thrive Today and the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership. Look, our primary focus at Thrive Today is to help you identify the authority of God's word and connect it with your success at work. Well, guys, today we are talking to Lisa Potter. Lisa is a passionate leader of women who lead, which is you. So you're going to really love talking to her. And she is a grace downloader, a generational bridge builder, which I absolutely love. And out of her passions for speaking, writing, worship, and mentoring the next generation of female leaders. So this is an absolute treat. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Oh, thank you, Natalie. It's so good to be here with you and the listeners today. I'm excited about it and just an honor to talk to you about some of my favorite subjects, female leadership and generational bridge building and grace downloading, all of that. Thank you. (laughs) Well, in issue three of our journal, you wrote this phenomenal article and it really got me thinking because part part of what you were talking about is the importance of women connecting intergenerationally. And I think that is something that's maybe a little bit missed today in our society. Definitely in other societies, it's very meaningful and important. But in American societies specifically, I don't know that it's valued as much. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Even in my own life, I think I had to be very intentional about intergenerational connections and community and creating that. I mean, although I come from a phenomenal legacy of women who, whether they, you know, my grandmother, she ran a farm and taught me how to do a lot of those little nitnoid things of, you know, just that you, you hang around with your grandmother and do, but even in the osmosis of being in the room with her, I learned so much from her stories And it's interesting because of the things that female leaders often shortcut on, it is community and intergenerational community, especially. And loneliness is the number one struggle faced by female leaders. I've asked, I've done research, I've read the books, and everyone just says, you know, it's lonely being a female leader. So when we think about that community, developing community, is important to us, but developing these intergenerational communities is exceptionally important. I remember having a conversation like, my mother is still living and I'm in my 50s, my daughter is 30-something, and she was just, we were having lunch one day, the three of us, and Lindsay spoke up and said in her 30-something way, she was like, she was like, look, guys, I need to hear your stories. I need you to in my life. And she was giving us permission to speak, to be present, and to come alongside. And that's huge for uh, women. Huge. Well, I can't stop thinking about what you said about women in business and loneliness and how, Mm -hmm. how real that is. And especially as you, and I put air quotes here, like start climbing that ladder to what you think success looks like and the speed at which you feel you've got to get there. A lot of times what is sacrificed on that altar is our relationships Mm -hmm. and especially our intergenerational ones. What do you feel like for ladies who are listening, like what's the value? Like what is the deep intrinsic value that you get from these intergenerational relationships? 
Well, for me, being kind of that in-betweener, I feel like in my 50s, you know, I love to hang out with the younger generation because personally, Natalie, I want to stay relevant. I don't want to be old. And it's weird because you get into this place in your life and you're like, wow, I'm still thinking like like an 18-year-old sometimes, you know? (laughs) But then you look in the mirror and like everything's changing and you're like, I'm not there anymore. But the importance for me being that in-betweener in the generations is that I need a younger generation's ideas. I want my voice still to be heard. I want my message to be relevant as a female leader. And that happens by surrounding myself with innovative, wonderful, young female leaders that are coming up and sharing vision with them and cheering them on. As well as, you know, my mom's generation, I need their stories and their wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I need to know what carried them to this age that they are and how they got through the hard things, but how they climbed mountains and, and the good things in their life. And so that's the importance of this web of connecting with many generations around us. Wow. You know, you said the hard things and the good things. And I know in your article, you also talk about the dreams and how passing on dreams is such an important part of, you know, one generation Mm -hmm. to another, because sometimes God may call you to start a dream, but, you know, maybe it's the next generation that's really going to carry that dream. And I know that even in your article, you talked a little bit about David, and I'd love for you to to share a little bit about that here Mm -hmm. when he was building the temple. Yeah, it's interesting because my husband and I are dreamers. I'm not a natural dreamer, but my husband, Frank, is. And so over our 36 years of marriage, he really has taught me the art of dreaming to the point where we have dream days. And if people would would probably listen into our dream days, they would be like, these these people are crazy. You know, (laughs) they don't have they don't have any idea that like get to your to-do list today and and stop dreaming. But he has really taught me the art form of it. And it's interesting because even at my age, some of my dreams haven't been for me to fulfill. I've passed them Mm -hmm. on and watched how God used me to kind of come alongside someone else that could run with that or that purpose. And so it is important for us. I was reading through the Bible last year. I don't do that every year, but it was kind of like my year. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And so I got to this scripture with David and it's, it's that part where the Lord's like in the Bible, it says it was good for David to have the dream. Wow. And I was like, wow. So what if all of my dreams won't be for my eyes to see them fulfilled? You know, how will I, what is my responsibility to a next generation? And often in leadership, we see that we rightfully so hold things tight. We don't, you know, we have great ideas, those of us who are leading the charge. And all of us probably have been burned one time or another where we shared an idea and then somebody else ran with our idea. And so it does cause us to be a little inward focused with those dreams. But I'm talking, when I'm talking intergenerational conveying of dreams, I'm talking about family, mentorship. I'm talking about spiritual sons and daughters, Mm -hmm. like 
who are we bringing up behind us that are safe people to be connected to, just like my son and daughter that, you know, I physically carried and birthed. I have spiritual sons and daughters. Yeah. And just like there's safety in sharing personal, intimate things with my flesh and blood. Wow. There should be this intergenerational conveyance of dreams to spiritual sons and daughters as well. Wow. And that's what we see with David and Solomon. That's so incredible to, well, well to your point, to be reading through and find, find that scripture. Yeah. Um, but how much it helps us to understand that not all dreams are for us to also go execute on. Like some mm-hmm. dreams are for us to birth by passing it to the next generation and by infusing dreams in them that they didn't know they had. So almost like you are the kind of the the receiver of the dream, but you're not necessarily going to carry that dream out. And that's so interesting. I don't know that I've ever personally thought about that, but I can, I can see that because I have daughters. So I can, I could see that there would be dreams that I would dream, but not necessarily carry out, so to speak. Yeah. So when we think about the conveyance of dreams, you know, it should be expected to a next generation, like the the passing on of a blessing. And when I, you know, our children were small, we wrote blessings for them and we prayed over them at night and they expected that blessing at night to be spoken over them. And I think as leaders, we have an obligation to the next generation that they expect a conveyance of dreams. They expect to hear what we're dreaming and that our dreams are loosely held in a sense of, you know, God said to David, you did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for Israel, but it'll be your son who will see it with his eyes and he will oversee that, not you. And as leaders, I think that shows us that our hearts are in the right place. We don't have to get credit, but God did give him credit. You know, and I think in families, it's like the legacy continues with spiritual sons and daughters and with sons and daughters that are flesh and blood. And we expect a legacy with them Mm -hmm. and to pass on a legacy. And it should be the same with spiritual sons and daughters. Wow. I would love for you to talk to, you know, kind of two groups of people. There may be some ladies on here who would be considered part of our older generation. And then there's going to be women who are listening, who are considered part of the younger generation, how would you tell them in terms of like, how can they get connected together? Cause I think many are sitting here thinking yeah, like, yeah, that is a value. And I, I get that value of being able to pass down experiences and, you know, share stories and, and hear things of, of how people overcame. I even think about, you know, my own personal career dealing with sexual harassment. Like I would love mm-hmm. to sit with some women and tell them like, Hey, you got to put up a boundary. And here's some of the things you just you have to do yeah. in the moment yeah. that I didn't know growing up that so that so then, you know, I kind of just crumbled under the fear of like, well, oh my gosh, what do I do? There's all these values that we can pass down to the next generation. Like, how would you talk to the younger generation, the older generation about how, how they could potentially get connected to one another? Great question, Natalie. In my book, The Collective Journey, I talk about, we have four sections in the book that leaders go through. And the last one is community. And so their exercise is is literally to fill out a network page. Look at your network. And the very first 
category on that network page is who do you admire? And I think for a younger generation, and and it's reciprocal for all of us, because even in my 50s, I'm looking ahead to, you know, 60, 70, 80 year olds that I 90 that I admire. And so these are those people that kind of do what you would like to do someday. And you feel that connection with them. And I just, when I'm mentoring next-gen female leaders, I encourage them to write that list and make it long and don't keep anybody off of that list thinking that, well, that's silly to put them on there because I'll never be able to talk to them or be a part of their life. Dream big. Mm -hmm. And I think that's key. You know, we have to be thinking about who are these connections? Why do I admire that person? And and looking beyond that. And then it comes into just simply, I mean, there have been times where I've intentionally said at seasons in my life, I need a mentor right now, or I need a coach, or I need... And so I have looked to somebody that is older than me to do that yeah. and intentionally sought that out, emailed them, connected with them through phone and just said, hey, you know, this doesn't have to be a long-term thing, but I just would like to sit and learn from you a little bit. I have some leadership questions I want to ask. And yeah, start there. I love what you said at the end there too, because it doesn't have to be a long-term thing. I mean, it's not like, hey, we're doing this for the next five years, but it (laughs) it could be, hey, you've, you've discovered some things that I'd like to understand. And I'd love to just see if there's a season where I could come alongside of you and and learn more. And so I think that's so beautiful. You know, I have had people reach out to me and ask for me to be a mentor. And I would love for you to maybe share for someone who's going to reach out to someone older than them, some key principles that should be important as the person asking for someone else's time. Because I've found that sometimes people ask for your time, but they don't always know how to value your time. Oh, that's so true. And I've been studying mentoring and coaching for the last five years and how to really get plugged into the next generation and come alongside of them. And so I've, I do have some, when I start mentoring my collective journey girls, we literally have an agreement we walk through. And that's, I don't think we should go into this, like, I don't want to offend them by this agreement or let's talk about, but we ask questions to one another, like, what do they expect from me in this season? And we commit to six months. It's not a long-term thing that I do. So, so, so set a time limit with that. And then realize that if you're the mentor, that they understand you're not a licensed counselor. You're not, <laughs> you know, you're coming <laughs> alongside of them in their life and leadership journey, but you're not a licensed counselor. You're not there. And then I set up 50 minute Zoom calls Mm -hmm. for my mentoring, or if it's going to be coffee, it's going to be a one hour. And that's something we discuss right away, like Mm -hmm. upfront. And I always come into the mentoring conversation with the question, what's on the front of your heart today? And that can be wherever they want to go with it. And then about 40 minutes into that conversation of what's on the front of your heart, I've asked some powerful coaching questions in the middle of that. And then I try to the last 10 minutes, just say, what are your takeaways from today? And 
making sure that they realize like, I'm not a teacher. They're not going to have to turn in their homework assignment. <laughs> it's, it's really, they've asked me to mentor them and it's up to them to go away with the takeaways and become a better version of themselves That's you so know, good. from what they've learned. That's and so good. those are some practical things I do as a mentor, just yeah. setting those time limits and coming to an agreement and, and both of us saying, you know, what we want from the relationship. And like I said, I think what scares everybody is they think it's got to be this five-year thing where I'm going to be present when you birth your children and all of that. It's like, no, no, no. Like, like let's, we're going to do this for three months or we're going to do this for six months. The thing is being available. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an old African proverb that I love so much that says, if you want to travel fast, travel alone. But if you want to travel far, travel together. And that's it. Like, if I can give three months to a next gen female leader that I just see so much potential in and she needs me to come alongside of her, then we can make a way even mm-hmm. in, in the middle of our busy lives. Yeah. Something you said there is so powerful about the agreement. And I love that you sit down up front and agree. Mm-hmm. It's like you're designing that relationship up front so that yeah. if at some point we, you know, start violating that agreement. It's so, and I think this is where a a lot of people kind of fall or fail in mentorship or why they don't want to do it is because we haven't set those upfront expectations with one another so that we can hold each other accountable to those expectations once they're set. And so often we go into it, it's loosey goosey. And then the person's showing up late or they're, you know, not doing what they're saying they're going to do. And there's not this, Hey, like, let's pull this out. This is what we agreed to. And I think that that creates that relationship that where you want to do the mentoring because <laughs> you agreed yeah. on something. Yeah. And we can do it, you know, oh my goodness, like we have so much available too, as it doesn't have to be in person. It can be via Zoom. And so much of the mentoring that I do, almost all of my collective journey, ladies are from all over the United States. And so my mentoring with them is all through Zoom. And I even go as far, Natalie, as to give them two reschedules. So we schedule those dates in advance. And then, because, you know, if they're going to keep rescheduling six of those, then as a mentor, that's hard because we're busy as well. Yeah. And with our schedules. So they come into it knowing like these things are in writing. We sign off on it. And even to the point of you get two reschedules out of those six mentoring sessions. And so I think it's it's possible for us to do as busy leaders, and it's necessary. The research tells us that female leaders thrive when they are in network with one another, when they have mentors, when they have sponsors. I mean, I have been invited into many rooms not knowing how I got there, but it was because of the sponsors in my life. It was because of so-and-so was mentoring me and we were doing a three-month monthly Zoom thing with mentoring. And then they were in a room because they belonged in that room. And when something came up, they were like, well, what about Lisa Potter? You know, she she would be an excellent one to write an article or something. And you're like, how did I get in this room? And so for female leaders, we need sponsors, mentors. We need people we're mentoring and coaching and we need community. Our tribe is very important to our success. 
and leadership. Something you said too, I think is so important for the ladies. It's almost like, what do you want your leadership legacy to be known for? And I would love to be known for getting people into rooms they wouldn't have been in otherwise. I think looking back after leading for a long time and being like, I put people in rooms they never would have gotten in. That is, that is such a cool thing. And even you just saying that, I think it's, I think it's something we should all aim for as a, as a leader of, you know, as a woman, as a female leader, it's like, Hey, let's get other women in rooms. They never would have been in otherwise. Yeah. And it's important because we can stay close hearted and closed fist and say, if I open up an area for another woman, she's going to take my spot. We Mm. can be that way as leaders, but it's better for all of us. Like you were just saying, like to stand in a room and be like, wow, I wonder how these 20 women got into this room. Who sponsored them? Wow. Who opened the door for them wide? Mm-hmm. And I mean, the research is there. It's it's an important factor in in our leadership. CEOs, they they don't get there because they don't they do it alone. Female CEOs and like Sheryl Sandberg's and women like that, they have a network. They do not do it alone. And I even mentioned that in my article, like that the Harvard School of Business narrows the leadership journey to one statement and says, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence. That's it right there. I love that. I love that. Any final thoughts today for our listeners? Well, I'm cheering you on, all of you. If you're listening and you're younger than me, and you probably are, you know, it hasn't always been easy, but we are doing this and God is calling us as female leaders to and opening doors for us in places. And if you're my age or older listening to this, even the younger women, I mean, you have a responsibility to whoever that generation is that's coming after you. Yeah. And so let's let's be dreamers, number one, <laughs> but also let's be dreamers, but also let's pass those dreams on. Let's, let's find a circle, a community, a tribe of women that is generational, not all thinking like us, and let's learn from one another. And that's how we're going to thrive, literally. I love it. I love yeah. it. Thank you so much for your time today, Lisa. Oh, thank you, Natalie. (laughs) Well, to our listeners, thank you for joining the Thrive Today podcast. Wasn't this such a treat today? Be sure to follow, share, and subscribe on all your social media platforms to Thrive Today Women and tell other women about this leadership podcast. You can follow Lisa on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and also you can go over to her website, pmnwomenwholead.com. We'll see you next time.